principal de numéro 21, Gold, scored by number 21, Ian Boisvert. Avec l'aide du numéro 22, assisted by number 22, Kristen Heinz. Et du numéro 7, and number 7, Trevor Agni. All right. Two podcasts in a week. I said we couldn't do it, and here we are. Well, it's not really the regular we. It's it's just Ian, but it's not just Ian. Um, we're doing a little mini cast with my friends from the Locked On Canadians podcast, uh, Laura Saba, the Active Stick, and Scott Matla at Scott Matla. Hey guys. Hello. Thanks for having us on after uh, generously joining us on our show earlier this evening. Uh, it's always nice to be a guest on someone else's show every now and then. <laughs> yeah, kick your feet up. Laura, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. We are podcast BFFs. We've had Ian on a couple of our episodes. We're always interacting on Twitter. I'm always stealing, you know, Ian's memes. So I feel like we are now like best friends. <laughs> well, and you're you're in one of the 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 funniest memes that I think we found this this season, which was the uh, the the press conference uh, that was on Zoom where Cole Caulfield and you and me and all of us were all in the same Zoom conference, which is still so funny to me that he, <laughs> he took time out of his day to dial into a Zoom conference that had nothing to do with him. It was um, so fun. That was when, like, everything was on fire, too. We're just kind of like, Cole Caulfield, just, he's the, he's the uh, gif from Community where he walks in with the pizza and just everything's on fire. Like, yeah, hey, that's... God, oh. He's in yeah. the darkest timeline. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was that was the exact energy of that. And it's funny because, like, you know, so much of this season has gone so far south um, that I feel like the moments that we've been able to laugh at and have fun at have really saved this season for me. Um, you know, like all of the Jeff Petrie memes, um, as much as Laura hates the mustaches, the mustaches, too. Like, it's, <laughs> you know, just they're giving us something to have fun with, even when they're not good. Um, I guess that's, you know, for years, that's all I really asked for was if they're not going to be good, at least be fun. Um, and they, they, you know, as as terrible as a lot of this, this season went for a variety of different reasons, we have had reasons to uh, have a little fun, sometimes at their expense, sometimes laughing along with them. Um, for those who are listening who aren't familiar with Lockdown Canadians, um, first of all, how dare you? There are two... There are two Canadians podcasts that I think are the gold standard as far as, you know, your regular scheduled pro podcast. There's our very own, the Montreal bias, the recency bias, where Zach Vanoss from Rabbit Habs goes through each game. Um, it's usually in your in your podcast inbox the very next morning. Um, and then these guys who are doing podcasts literally every weekday. Uh, I don't know how they do it. And I have a I have a small confession that I've been hiding from you guys. And I think now that we're... Uh, podcast best friends i feel like it's fair to finally tell you this uh back when they were looking for a host for locked on canadians i applied for that position <laughs> how are you and, gonna make me feel bad on your no, show right now? <laughs> i'm not i'm not i'm not making you feel bad because here's why i applied because i was like i let's give it a shot and within 20 minutes i got an email back that the position was already filled and i reached out for that like a minute after it happened so you guys must have been like way on top of that 
and not to mention the fact that I've I've generally I've genuinely enjoyed listening to you guys. I would not have been able to have done what you guys have been doing for the past year. So a hat a, a cap tip to you guys and thanks for letting me be cool podcast uncle that just shows up instead of the actual <laughs> <laughs> well, would it make you feel better to know that we were headhunted months before? Or weeks before? I was kind of relieved when I didn't get it. I went for it because I was like, I, I want to try to do some new things. That's why, you know, I, I have this podcast. I have um, the Hockey Newsletter, which is a fun project that I've been working on with some friends. Um, but it's, you know, I, I was a little relieved because I was like, yeah, I could do it. And then I hit send and I went, oh, that's a podcast every day. <laughs> and so, a you know, I I I respect the hell out of what you guys are doing. I'm glad you let me be a part of it in any small way. Um, but I I just thought it was so funny that even though they said no to me, I still ended up on the show anyway. So who really won? Well, you're welcome <laughs> to join us anytime. Literally anytime. We love talking to you. Yeah, I, I gotta to I, I gotta get a built bar read in. <laughs> well, they're very loyal sponsors to us. So next time, we'll make sure that it's on a built bar read day. You can join us. Um, but I, I do want to say, I, I say this a lot. It is, it's hard work, but you have to have a good working relationship with your co-host. And I think that that's what makes it like you can't work five days a week with somebody if you're either not getting along, or there's any kind of bad blood or pettiness or the unequal amounts of work or whatever like we're constantly in communication to the point where like sometimes I feel like I'm really bothering Scott but really <laughs> like if you're ever going to embark on something like this you have to make sure that you have respect for each other as a base and we've become good friends like over the course of the couple of years that we're working together right absolutely I, as far as I know, like, you don't want to fight me in the streets like the province of Alberta or anything. So, like, I think we're on pretty good terms here. You're forgetting Ontario, too. Well, if it's not Ontario yet, it's going to be after uh, next week. I, they, they they have tried, and honest to God, I don't – I I've just leaned into just fully just going, no, I've never watched talking in my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> because I'm a bad person, apparently. So I, I had someone say that to me today. I was uh, Elliot Friedman said something along the lines, uh, you know, the St. Louis Blues are having a bunch of weird results with their COVID testing. And, uh, you know, one guy I, I responded and said, like, you know, this is just another reminder that maybe this season probably shouldn't have happened at all. And someone wrote, that's a weird take. And I wrote, thanks. That was just the extent of that conversation. <laughs> what, what else do you do? Like, <laughs> I gave you a weird take. You gave me a compliment. I said, thank you. We move on. <laughs> Next time, I'm just going to, like, post a thumbs up when someone replies <laughs> to me like that. <laughs> the thumbs up emoji is more passive aggressive than just K. <laughs> like somehow it's e i love it uh oh no there's good i'm you're gonna do I, it aren't you i shouldn't like i i told <laughs> i hold my bosses at eyes on the prize because we are trying to maintain our status with the canadians and everything else that i would stop garbage posting when people got mad in my mentions and then every now and then i'm like you know what I've had half a beer or a Red Bull, and guess what? We're letting it go now, just because sometimes it's funny, honest to God. Well, like, the thing that I love about it is that sometimes, like, you're not even offering a take. You're just, you're just posting a literal gif. That's it. 
without even editorializing it's like josh anderson is tripped by blah 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 or whatever and then people get so mad at you for what josh anderson did yeah why did you make josh anderson do that scott I don't know. I should just quit Twitter 5,000 times and get into a legal dispute with TSN or something, I guess. Maybe then <laughs> people would follow me. Like, well, and I miss, it, is, I, it, I, it is my favorite part about that is that it's like I make gifts for eyes on the prize that people will sometimes ask me to capture random things, even small things. And sometimes it's a penalty and it's just like I can post it with no words and people go, well, what the hell is your problem, man? It's like, what are you talking about? Do you think that I like magic this into existing? Well, I, if I could do that, do you think I would have someone trip Josh Anderson instead of like Josh Anderson turning into Shao Kahn and ripping Austin Matthews in half? Why would I do that when I could do something so much better? Honest how, to God. How many gift requests do you get from Canadians fans that are just uh, Josh Anderson thirst traps? Is it a lot? Uh, well, one of them is my co-host, which uh, there will be a Josh Anderson thirst hour. Um, I'm putting together a folder of every Josh Anderson clip that I have saved under his name on my laptop right now and putting it in our Dropbox. So Laura tomorrow uh, can just post them randomly on the Lockdown Canadians account uh, because who doesn't need some handsome man in their life once an hour until bus drop? Here's, okay, here's what I'll do. is The day after the first loss, whether it's after game one or game two or whatever, the day after the first loss is when we will schedule our Josh Anderson thirst hour. And if, I, if, if there's too many gifts, we'll just have a second one. That sounds lovely. I'm I'll need to I, hydrate. You're not ready for this. <laughs> I've been, you know, it was weird this season just just watching that sort of thing unfold. Like we acquired Josh Anderson and everyone went, Oh no, he's hot. And then we're we're literally just talking about it every day. The Canadians Twitter account knows. They know that everyone finds him attractive. Today they tweeted a gif of him just squirting water on his own face. Like what like that's that's harmful. Like they're doing damage to somebody's day. Well, oh, it, absolutely. Laura and I had the same conversation last year when we started the show. They signed Ben Sherratt and we looked at it. We're like, we don't know if he's any good at hockey, but like Ben Sherratt's extremely handsome, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's, I don't, it, it's unfair. Like he's, you know, what, six, four, you know, two thirty, chiseled. And he's got, you know, Disney Prince face. face. Yeah, he's basically Gaston without the misogyny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think he grew I up think... and ate four dozen eggs to get very large. Like, come on. Yeah, every every by the end of this series, I think even some Leafs fans are going to get sent to horny jail. Uh, oh, yeah, there's going to be so much bonking during game. Like, <laughs> bonk, bonk. And part of it will probably be me because Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson is an extremely handsome man. Carey yeah. Price, now that he has cut his hair, I mean, fine, if that's your cup of tea. Shea Weber is rugged handsome. Uh, Jeff Petrie looks like Ned Flanders, so that might not be everybody's cup of that's tea. That's out. That's and, out. And you have Ben Sherratt, who is just handsome anyways. Like, it's not fair. Shea Weber looks like an extra from Red Dead Redemption with his mustache. Like, Ooh. He's You're not wrong. Rob bank now. Like, you know, he's going to go join Dutch Vanderland and go rob a bank. Like, that's what he looks like with his big-ass mustache now. So. Yeah. Well, that was fun. We should probably get into the actual playoff series, even though I'm not really all that excited. Um, you know, it's fluctuated. We, you know, if you haven't listened to it yet, I don't know what order you're listening to these in, but I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, we just wrapped up an episode of Locked on Canadians where we talked about 
um, you know, the positive things that could happen in this series for the Canadians, win, lose, or otherwise. Um, so, I, I mean, I, how are we feeling? I feel like we've gone through this sort of wave of thought where we're going from uh, Leafs in three to all of a sudden, like, ah, maybe we have a shot to Leafs in six, maybe Leafs in seven. It seems like as we've gotten closer, things have gotten progressively more positive, um, at least vibe-wise, if, if that's an, an advanced analytic that you're into. I, I, I have tried to wrangle the fandom part of my brain with the logical part of my brain. And that has been the hardest thing because anything can happen in this series. Absolutely. Anything can happen at any point in time. I think the Canadians have the pieces. They're getting Brendan Gallagher back. They're getting uh, hopefully healthy Shea Weber, Philip Deneau back. Uh, Carey Price is back and hopefully, you know, in playoff form like he was last year. Uh, from there, I guess we'll see. But I also look at it and go, Toronto's got this incredible, like, one shot, one kill against any kind of flow of play um, skill that they can make this a series and dictate the flow of play just because they have a guy who can score goals at will and is only getting better at that, it seems. Yeah, and, I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to, like you said, it's just... It, Toronto has a murderer's row of offensive weapons. We know that that's the case. They've had them all year. Um, you know, they've they Austin Matthews today officially wrapped wrap, uh, wrapped up the um, the uh, rocket for for most goals in in the NHL this year because we had to wait for the very important Flames Canucks series to end. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why did they do? I like I know why they did it. The the TV rights they need to make sure that they're meeting a certain number of games. I get it. Why? Maybe don't even broadcast them. Just play them. Tell us what happened. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Laura, how are you, how are you feeling going into this? Are you are you sort of getting more and more positive as I, I think I'm seeing from um, a lot of Canadians fans? Yeah, I feel like the thing that we're losing in all of this, because as you guys said, right, we're not stupid and we're not blind. We can see that Toronto has a fantastic offense. We can see that they're a great team. We've been watching so many games of theirs this season because the Canadians have been playing them so much this season. None of us are new, right? But at the same time, what we're losing in all of this is the fact that the Canadians made the playoffs. And that's always fun. Like, that is literally, you know, what you watch your team for. And like we can't, we can't let the fact that they're not at all favored in this series to be to, to to dampen that excitement that we have, right? And anything could happen. And I know that whether it happens or not, like we can choose to enjoy this or we can we can just be miserable. And I don't want to be miserable when my team is playing in the playoffs. And the other thing too is that this is a win-win situation, right? They go in there, they beat Toronto, amazing, historic. Toronto will, you know, um, like it, Toronto will be sent into a tailspin. Uh, and and one of our rivals might be heavily damaged for years to come if they make too many changes, right? But if the Canadians lose, then we know that there's something that has been missing on this team and that will need to change. We thought that the change came last offseason, but at the same time, like what we're seeing now is that the Canadians kind of, there's, there's a problem with identity and philosophy and probably like this is my theory is that coaching skill 
as well is a problem, right? But overall, the Canadians don't really have a direction. They have great pieces. They have an upcoming core that's going to be phenomenal. You know, just imagine Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield for years to come. You know, there's so much excitement there. But the direction and the identity and the philosophy, there's something that's missing there. And part and part of it is, you know, it you can see it. It's evident in their deployment of of their players, and that's a coaching thing, but it's also an organizational thing. So for me. You know, Toronto sweeps them. Well, there's going to be change. Yeah, I don't. And, you know, sweeps are so rare nowadays. Like everyone's saying, oh, you know, Toronto's going to win this one in a sweep. I, I, it's possible. It's hockey. Literally anything is possible. Um, but I, I just don't see it just because they don't happen anymore. Like it's it's increasingly rare. Um, you know, the one against the, the Columbus Tampa series that um, <laughs> Columbus inexplicably swept um, a few years ago. That stands out as one because one, it was you know the it was an upset, but two, it's a sweep. They rarely happen. Um, I do think the Canadians will make this a series. I'm not. I guess the 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 next question is you know how did they do that? So you know if we this the latest the series can go is um, May 31st. That's going to be Game Seven. Um, we wake up on June first and pick up virtual newspapers and we're looking at the headlines if the canadians won that series how did they do it (laughs) do you want the actual answer or like what i want to happen this is a safe space you can say anything here oh well all of toronto gets like food poisoning from eating like crappy sushi (laughs) and like austin matthews goes to score but like poops his pants and has to leave the ice and (laughs) the canadians take the puck go down and score immediately and that's the end of game seven in overtime just for maximum hilarity, because one, people pooping their pants is funny, and two, uh, the Leafs losing is funny. Uh, in an actual, <laughs> like, realistic adult sense here, uh, the Canadians can win if they can utilize their depth the way they did at the start of the season. With Brendan Gallagher back, with Philip Deneau back, with Kotkaniemi and Caulfield waiting in the wings, with all these players rested a little bit, they can probably roll out their four lines. We've seen Jake Evans play some incredibly inspired hockey lately that I feel pretty good about having him out there most of the time because he has the speed to generate things. And he was making a lot of things happen down the stretch when the Canadians needed those points the most to clinch a playoff spot. It was Evans line with Lekkanen and Byron that was making it happen. I think they can playoff Lekkanen is a thing. We know that can happen in the playoffs. Once again, I'm and then like we talked about on our show, goaltending, if Jack Campbell turns into a pumpkin, uh, they got to lean on Freddie Anderson, who carries the battle scars of multiple failed uh, seven game series against the Bruins and just not being very good this year. The Canadians have Jake Allen, who, despite losing to Vancouver in the play in last year, uh, Jake Allen was incredible and has proven time and time again. He can be a guy that you can rely on in the playoffs. And I do think that that kind of depth there is where the Canadians can win. Toronto isn't a pushover. But I think they carry so much mental weight in this series that everything is on their shoulders. They have to win. They can't just win ugly. They should be dominating. They should be winning every game by a touchdown in the eyes of their fans. And anything less than abject domination is going to bring out some of those old wounds a bit. And then you start playing that whole mental thought game or are we going to do this? Can we do this? Can we even win a game kind of thing? And I think that's extremely tough to wrangle with uh, when you carry the mental baggage that the Leafs have over the past couple years. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree. I think, you know, the Toronto-ness of it all is, is one thing that I think keeps the Canadians in this series. Um, they, Toronto hasn't won, one of my favorite stats about all this is Toronto hasn't won a series since the Expos existed. Um, they, the, I believe they played the Mets that day. Um, the last <laughs> time they advanced to the second round, I believe the Expos played a day game against the New York Mets. It's, that's where I think it's really important for these guys to get, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be in game one, but in game two, put two goals by, by Campbell in the first five minutes of a game. I know it's a tough ask, but if you can do that, I think you have a more than, more than, you know, uh, you know, you've got a decent chance of winning this series if you can get to Campbell quick, because if you get to him, I feel like the whole operation just goes down. Like the, they don't have a very stable backup. They have they picked up two NHL goalies and, ne- and they have two NHL backups and neither one of them, I, I think, can actually perform if given that chance. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's how I think that's how the Canadians win that. Um, I guess on the flip side, and maybe Laura, we can go to you for this. Let's say Toronto wins this um, on June first. Are we is is the narrative surprising to us? Like, is there a way that Toronto could win this series where we would go, "Huh, that's really surprising." If the Canadians put a real scare into them and it comes down to Game Seven and everything's in question, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the thing that we have to remember is that. You know, their coaching has gotten better in the last year and a half as well, since they replaced Mike Babcock with Sheldon Keefe, which at the beginning wasn't very evident. But, you know, he's had enough time. And I feel like if if the Toronto Maple Leafs show up and do their job, then they should be able to beat the Canadians in five or six games. Right. Like that shouldn't be surprising. But for me, I feel like it's Toronto, Montreal. So it's not going to go that way. There's going to be shenanigans. There's going to be some sort of scare. There's going to be some sort of weirdness going on. Like, I, I, I can't predict what it is. And it could be, you know, my my deepest hope, like the secret hope that I have is that this entire thing has been like a long con by Dominique Ducharme and he's actually brilliant. <laughs> um, I love that idea. <laughs> but honestly, the narrative would be that either Toronto underperformed because they didn't, you know, they didn't show up with the right uh, attitude and they, you know, they allowed the Canadians to get under their skin, to take them off their game. Like you're looking at Toronto, they should be showing up with those serious faces at the beginning of every game. You know, you see them with their Starbucks cups and their suits and their and their toques and stuff. Like you should be seeing their game faces and they should be not not distracted from their goal, right? And they'll be able to play the Canadians really well. But I feel like if if Toronto, if Montreal manages to scare them, that would be the narrative that's surprising to me. I I'm trying to think of the narrative that wouldn't shock me like because everyone is gone that toronto wins toronto wins toronto wins that like it shouldn't be a surprise but like knowing the way the hockey world handles the leafs doing anything of note is that they could win this in seven games by this by the skin of their teeth like and the narrative would be that toronto dominated the series and blah blah and it's i think the biggest thing for me is if i don't think toronto will sweep they could but i don't think they will I think the narrative is going to be that it took a season where Toronto got put in a special division where the talent was not very good, coasted through most of the regular season, 
got to play those same teams they played all year again. And that's the only way they could advance out of the first round. Cause I'm looking at some of these first round matchups. I'm looking at games like Tampa and Florida. I'm watching Bruins caps in the background right now. I'm looking at how good Carolina is and everything else. I don't think Toronto would make it out of the first round against a lot of these teams, the way they're playing this year. Like, could you imagine if they had to play the Bruins again, but now the Bruins have Taylor Hall? Like, Ugh. it'd be yeah. it'd be a nightmare yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I'm sort of this in the same spot as you know they they did get to feast on a weaker division, and that's not I'm not throwing an asterisk on it. I don't think that that's an appropriate thing to do. But you look at you know, and we can get sort of into the long term implications of this for the Canadians too. But you know, I. I this is never going to happen again. This division isn't going to happen again. The way that we play, you know, they're never going to play Ottawa nine times in a season again, Montreal 10 times in a season again. It's, it's, it's success given the circumstances. Cause we all had to play under the same circumstances. I get all that, but you know, it's, I, I still don't think they stack up against Tampa. I don't think they stack up against Boston. Still. We'll see what that looks like next year. Um, but I, I do think that once things go back to quote unquote normal, um, you know, we could see that same problem, you know, rearing its head for both the Canadians and the Leafs. Um, and, you know, to, to focus more on the Canadians and we'll we'll start to wrap this up. We're, let's let's assume, you know, this series goes chalk and and Toronto wins it the exact way we think they're going to win it. Maybe it goes six. I don't know. Um, you know, where do the Canadians go from here? You know, we were told that things were going to be better from the off season that Mark Bergevin had. We all liked his moves. Um, even the Joel Edmondson move, which I wasn't a huge fan of, he certainly turned it around. Um, and that, that, that move seems reasonable now. Um, especially because I, I couldn't imagine the Canadians defense without him, um, at this point, given everything else that's happened. Um, but you know, are the Canadians headed in a, in a good direction, even with a loss this year in the playoffs? I feel like this playoff series is a win-win kind of thing. If they beat Toronto, one, Toronto is going to absolutely melt down and something dumb will happen there in some way, shape, or form. I don't know what it is, but something dumb will happen because you can't keep losing in the first round spending this much money on elite high-end talent, especially to a team like Montreal that you're supposed to be better than all the time. So, and if the Canadians lose and they lose embarrassing, uh, they probably clean house on uh, some of the old coaches front office and start anew, which isn't a bad thing. And if Montreal comes out and, you know, plays well, maybe they see this is what we have to do to uh, play our best. And I know part of that is being healthy, which makes sense. Like, I think there's a no lose situation here for the Canadians unless they get just absolutely like dominated. Like even their stars aren't looking good in terms of play on the ice. The pressure's not on them in this series. They need to go out there and just try and see what they can do and go from there. They're playing to win, obviously, but all the pressure is on Toronto to just dominate and take control of this series. And if they don't, it's not the Canadians problem. Um, it all depends on what Toronto can do in this. And Montreal is just kind of there to feed off of whatever energy they have, I guess. I think the big thing for me is that even if Montreal loses in this series or in this playoffs or whatever, I think that you have to look at the players on this team. If you want to know if they're in a good spot or not, 
they are up against the cap, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and obviously Seattle is going to grab one of these guys that is for sure underrated because they're not, you know, that front office is, is probably the smartest one in the league. I just think that I, I look back on the off season and going into this season, how we felt. And I think that if you look at the players on the ice, you can do a lot with them. And it's up to you what you do with them, how you use them, you know, whether how, whether it's how you develop them or how you deploy them or whatever. I just think that the Canadians are not in a tough spot. I think that a major change needs to happen. But that major change isn't you have to get rid of every player and start from scratch. There are a lot of good pieces on this team that I trust. And, and I think that, you know, in order for, for the Canadians to maximize their potential, there has to be front office, uh, a change in front office thinking. Whether I, I, And I don't necessarily think that you have to fire Mark Bergevin, mostly because I have no idea who they would hire after that. But you need him to change the way he does things. You need him to change the way he does his business. And you need him to have a, you know, to stop having such a blind eye to coaching, to, to whatever you call it. It's not a, it's a blind spot, not a blind, a blind spot for coaching. And, and he just, he, he, he needs to rethink the way that he wants to construct this team and, and, and get wins. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the coaching aspect of this is, is huge to me because there's not a lot of GMs in this league who get to rifle through coaches like this. Um, Michelle Terrian was his first, fired him. Claude Julien's up next, fired him. Now he has Ducharme as an interim. If Ducharme fizzles out and he's not that secret agent that Laura and I hope he is, um, you know, what happens next? Does, does Mark Bergman get to fire him and hire the next coach who will presumably be uh, Joel Bouchard? Um, how many coaches does a GM get? It seems like across this league, it's a very low number and, and he would be heading to coach four. Um, you know, as far as guys that have that might take over the GM position, we've talked about this in, in your guys' locker room chats. I, I, the the amount of former French Canadian goaltenders is very high. Um, Patrick Roy seems to be at the top of the list every time. Roberto Luongo is throwing his hat into the man, and managerial aspect of of this sort of thing. Martin Brodeur is is working in a hockey front office. Like there are guys that. That's all seem like very bad choices who are all available. And that just makes this even scarier. I don't know who's coming next. And that worries me. So I guess I'm rooting for success in the sense that, you know, rooting for a, a, a loss maybe pushes us back further. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what happens. I hope that they don't take this season and, and blow up the roster because there's a lot of likable parts on it. Um, you know, even the ones that don't have mustaches I like. Um, I, I to get you to play off that point real quick. I know you, we're wrapping it up here, but I think the roster has a lot of really good pieces for this team that the coaching staff thinks are all interchangeable instead of playing them to their strengths. And I think if we look at what Joel Bouchard did with the rocket is that not every guy is interchangeable and they know which way to play them to make them work. And I think that's the biggest thing is that they can figure that out. Stop trying to replace Brendan Gallagher with someone else. Put them in a system that fits what they can do or put them in a spot with line mates that work for them too. It's it's a simple thing. I don't think it's too much to ask that an NHL coach knows that not everyone can be Brendan Gallagher. So 
Yeah. And I was it was it Joe Bouchard? I can't remember the quote exactly, but he said something to the effect of I don't want to draw spots on a on a tiger. I can't remember the exact quote. It sounds like one of his metaphors. There are a lot of them. So <laughs> yeah. like it's certainly and, better than the hammer and nail one that Dom rolled out this week. Wasn't a big fan of that one. <laughs> um, but I will leave that there. Um, I think we've we've touched on both ends of the spectrum here. Real positive thoughts and then <laughs> ending with our deepest, darkest fears. Um, I want to thank you guys for for joining me. It's 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 always a pleasure. Like I said, you guys are the, the gold standard for, um, you know, Canadians content. If you're not if you're a Canadians fan and you're not listening to these guys, you really ought to be um, and check out their locker room. Um, segments that they do where uh we we all jump into a a chat room together it's usually very goofy we just have a a really good time sometimes random people join in to talk about soccer and we don't know what to do um (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the most bizarre things that has ever happened um but definitely check those out they're super fun um so i'm gonna let you guys go Uh, tell us where we can find you online any of your your content uh, well, you want to start? I, I guess we'll start with myself then. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Scott Matla. Uh, you can find a lot of all of my writing, in fact, at uh, Habs Eyes on the Prize. Now that the AHL season is over, we are full bore on the playoffs. We actually just brought a new writer on board on the site, and I will leave that tease until uh, we drop that news for y'all later. Ooh. Um, Did we get and- an exclusive? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you who it is. No, I know, but we're insiders now. That's crazy. (laughs) It is. Uh, And then, Laura, do you want to tell them where they can find all of our other stuff? Of course. So Scott and I co-host a podcast called Locked On Canadians. You can find that literally anywhere you get your podcast on Twitter. We're at LO underscore Canadians. And you can find me at The Active Stick. Uh, If you want actual hockey content, Check out the podcast account if you want shit posting. That's that's my personal account, the Actistic. And Ian, thank you so much, not just for having us on, but for the kind words. You've been like one of our earliest supporters, and we so enjoyed talking to you. Even though the past couple of seasons haven't been great, we still enjoyed actually making friends with you. Silver linings, right? I feel like I've made more friends being locked at home than I did in the real world. Right? Um, so it, you know, everything everything works out for a reason. Um, Thanks again, guys. And uh, if you haven't listened to their episode where I'm on that, go listen to that right now. Uh, Thanks, guys. Take care.